put on this persona. Shakespeare said that all the world is a stage and all the people are actors. And, and I think there's a level of truth to that. But wouldn't it be nice sometime to be able to get off the stage and just be you? To not have to conform to someone's image of who you should be or even conform to some image that maybe you've conjured up for yourself. You know, you're, what you think you ought to be for other people. This morning, we're beginning a, a brand new series called Being Me. And in it, I hope to take us on a journey where we can begin to strip away all of the unnecessary stuff that holds us down and prevents us from truly being the person that the Lord created us to be. So where do we begin this journey? Well, surprisingly, it may not start where you think it ought to start. It begins with the church. It's a little ironic because for many, maybe most people, the church has not traditionally been a place where they felt free to be themselves. Being me at the church, now they, they, they're going to judge me or they're going to look down on me. Over the next few weeks, I want to break through that paradigm and help us see that in order for me to be who I really am and for you to be who you really are, being me, being you, being us, and that's the key to all of this, the, the us requires us to be who God created us to be. And he created us to be the church. The New Testament word for church is ecclesia. It literally means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. He created us to be gathered together as an assembly. And the question that begs to be asked is why? For what purpose? Well, we're going to begin this journey by taking a brief look at the birth of the church and talk about why this incredible organism is so important to being us. First time we see the word church in the scriptures is in Matthew 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the power of hell will not conquer it. Now there's a few things that we learn from this short passage of scripture. First, the notion that led the Lord to saying these, these incredible things was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Peter had been told by the Holy Spirit that Jesus was the Messiah. From that second, the Lord incredibly entrusts this wonderful organism, the church, into the hands of man. I mean, to me, that, that's just incredible that he would entrust this thing that is so special. It's going to be so massive into our hands. And then third, 
it will not be conquered or overcome by the powers of hell. This Holy Spirit-inspired organism entrusted into the hands of human beings will win. The power of the church wasn't born in, in human strength or human desire. It was birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is spirit-driven, spirit-led. It is an organism. You know, people talk about organized religion. You know, I'm standing in front of this beautiful church here. It's the Church of St. Peter and the Holy Apostles in Plymouth. And, uh, you know, we, you hear people talk about, oh, I don't want to be part of organized religion. But the church was never meant to be an organization. We like to make it an organization because you can manage organizations. But the church isn't an organization. It's an organism. And organisms are scary. We're not really quite in control of them. Organisms are dynamic. They're hard to define. They're difficult to manage. You can't control an organism. You can control an organization. But an organism is a completely different kettle of fish. This organism is a spirit-inspired, spirit-born, and spirit-led organism. Let me show you what I mean. Peter's story is, is really a great one. He honors the Lord by recognizing him as the Messiah. The Lord, in turn, honors him by saying, Upon this rock I will build my church. Now, not long after this event, we come to the low point in Peter's life. He denies even knowing Jesus three times at a critical point uh, before Jesus is executed. After Peter had said, I will die with you. But Jesus had already said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the power of hell will not overcome it. So there's two things going on. The, the, the Lord's, it is the Lord's will that his church would flourish even under the most difficult of circumstances, even in the hands of human beings. So Peter denies him after the Lord has said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now fast forward to Acts 2. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture that many people consider to be the birth of the church. It's in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at the first four verses and then we're going to scoot down to verse 37. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So there's this incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the believers, and it's noisy and it's spectacular. And it I'm not going to read the entire passage, but it, it causes enough of a stir that people come running. They come running to see what, what's going on over there, what's going on. And there's this huge gathering, and they're listening to these people talk, and everybody hears them in their own language, and they're, they're all wondering, what's going on? Which is a great opportunity. You've got a big crowd. That's exactly what this was for. And then Peter and the other apostles, filled with the Holy Spirit, step forward. Now this is Peter who only weeks before had denied even knowing Jesus. 
Now in the same place, in the middle of Jerusalem, he's about to preach a powerful sermon about Jesus. I mean, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell them who Jesus is, why he came, and then he tells them, you crucified him. You crucified your Lord and your Messiah. And the people are stirred. Going down to, to verse 37, it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. That's us. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. I want you to catch that. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper or what we call communion, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sowed their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This is a movement of the Holy Spirit, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And, and so the church came into being in this incredible situation, right in the middle of Jerusalem, right in the very place where they were shouting for Jesus to be crucified. And this birth of the church, it was a wonderful thing. It was a spirit, spirit birth, spirit enabled and spirit directed. Now I want to go back to verse 42 and dig in a little bit said all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. First, let me tell you about this word devoted. It's a combination of two Greek words. The first part means I am. The second is this sense of constant, ongoing adhering to something. We all together as individuals, each one together, are committed in an ongoing manner to be adhered to, first, the apostles' teaching. They were all about learning. Do you know the first great universities were a product of the church? You know, this whole idea that science and education and the church are at odds with one another, that's a lie from Satan. The church is all about learning. The church began the concept of formal education for the masses. The, the printing press was developed for the church so that everyone would be able to read and write in order that they could read God's wonderful word. So they dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching. They wanted to learn. Second, to fellowship. They spent time with one another. 
all the time. They were committed to it. They hung out together. They did things together. It was a part of who they were. They were this incredible group of spirit-filled people. Third, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. They ate together. You know, I talk about this all the time. There's really something to be said for sitting down and having a meal with someone. Now, you know, we live in a culture where everybody likes to go out for dinner. But there's something that happens when you're in somebody's home and you sit around the table and you eat and you talk. And that's this image here. And I really want to encourage people to do that more often. Invite someone into your home. Be invited into someone's home. Sit down and have a meal. You get to learn a lot about someone over dinner. But it also says that including the Lord's Supper, they had communion together. You know, you don't have to wait till the, the second Sunday of the month or whatever Monday it is, or whatever Sunday it is that, that we do communion. You can have communion with your friends, with your small group, anytime you want. In fact, Jesus said, whenever you meet together, do this in remembrance of me. And it doesn't have to be a pastor that leads communion. You can have communion together. And the fourth thing that they did, they prayed together. They were committed to prayer. And I think they prayed wherever they were. They prayed out in the public assemblies. They prayed in homes together. But they were committed to calling upon the name of the Lord because the whole church was born in the power of the Spirit. You know, that's what I'm saying. You cannot manage an organism outside of the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance. So they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. You know, one of the things I love is we have First Monday prayer, and uh, it started to build. You know, after COVID, sometimes there'd be like three, four of us. Last time we had six, seven, eight people here. You know, what? and I'm praying for prayer. I'm praying that, that all of you who are available to pray will come to First Monday to pray, that we would be committed to prayer, just as that early church was committed to prayer. It was a wonderful community, and we need this community. I need this community. Uh, being me, and I'm using that term collectively, we are all a collection of me's. Being me requires me to be part of you, to be part of us. I cannot fully be me apart from you. You cannot be fully you apart from each other. We were created for this wonderful community that, that is called the church. And man, that has really come home to me over the last couple of weeks. I feel out of my element. I don't feel like me. You know, this is my sister's house. That's her backyard behind me. And I've just enjoyed my time in England. I've enjoyed visiting with family. Like I say, it's been a while. Uh, I've enjoyed relaxing. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we went on a horse-drawn barge down a canal. It was so quiet. It's like two and a half miles an hour, and it was just quiet, and it was relaxing. But I feel like some lost being stuck in between who I am and who I was. And I'm not really being either. I'm not living like I used to, which is good. 
but I'm, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm the me that, that you all know. I'm this other being stuck in between because I'm out of my element. I'm out of my church. So while I'm enjoying my time here, visiting with family and relaxing, I so long to be back where I belong with you, with Lakeway, being me, being the church with my people. And it's not that these aren't my people. Some are actually part of both worlds. My, my sister that lives here, she's part of my world in the USA. She's part of my world here, as is another one of my sisters. So it's not that they're not my people. But here's the thing. God has given us something special. He has given us each other, the church. And the more we invest in the church, the more we seek to be the church, the more we're going to be freed from all of that stuff that holds us down. We're going to be freed to be who we really are, free from the shackles that hold us down. Amen? I'm not going to dig into this any deeper this morning. I simply want to let you know where we're going to go over the coming weeks. We're going to really expand out this being me and being the church and seeing how these things are intricately locked together. I look forward to seeing you all next week in the flesh. And Mo Kinsley is going to come out and close out the service now. Hey, I love you all. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. That was a great sermon. You know, it, it comes all the way across the water, doesn't it? That's pretty cool that he can be there and be able to preach the word. Did you notice how he had different backdrops? Mike has been planning that since the men's retreat. And uh, he looks so forward to being able to be with us here today, but being over with his 